Amen. You may be seated. I want to continue tonight our theme of looking at pairs of women out of the Scripture and seeing those examples exemplified in our own lives. Amen. We've been kind of doing this for a few weeks now. And today I want to focus on two sisters. Their names you will find very familiar. My text is in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. We're going to talk about Mary and Martha and better choices. Mary and Martha and better choices. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Amen. Better choices. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I'm asking you in the next few moments through the lives of these very familiar Bible characters that you would speak to us and into our lives about making good choices, about serving you, about balancing our lives. In the precious name of Jesus, would you say amen? Amen. Buying an expensive set of China dinnerware or, or having a new house built or hiring a professional wedding photographer uh, at times, even those of us who are thrifty, even those of us who are tight with our finances, do extravagant things. Amen? Don't have a lot of money. Would like to be able to go buy a brand new gun just when I want to, but I don't have the money in the bank to go buy a brand new gun whenever I want to. But I'm taking my wife to England for our 25th wedding anniversary. There's extravagant things that we make space for. Amen? And here's the thing, we tend to justify our own extravagances while sometimes condemning those of others. We look at what we do and we justify that, but sometimes we look at what another person does, maybe spending a lot of money on expensive clothing or buying a brand new car or, or putting an in-ground swimming pool in, and, and, and we tend to be biased about that. And, you know, they should, they should be more careful, but we can splurge. We tend to, we tend to uh, be biased about what is okay to splurge on and what we ought to skimp on or what we ought to save on. Amen. The foodie, now I'm right, I know I'm, I know I'm in reality here. I'm a foodie, amen? The foodie who thinks he's not eating unless the meal was gourmet may scoff at the person who buys a vehicle and pays full sticker price for the vehicle. Both have their own extravagances. Both go separate directions. That imbalance in between the way we see ourselves and the way we see others, is not limited to material things. In the kingdom of God, people can be extravagant with their time, 
prayers and resources, spending them lavishly on the kingdom of God. One person may invest abundant energy and money into a children's program, but that same person may be irritated by the teens who just want to sing in the choir and not do much else. A church member may think that the pastor should spend more time visiting people in their homes or in the hospital, while another church member may think that he should spend more time studying and preaching, and maybe we ought to even add another service night in the week so we can get more preaching. Can I get an amen? The janitor may get frustrated when he or she wants to clean up after service, but People are lingering in the altar in prayer and, and just aren't willing to leave. But on the other hand, the people in prayer may get frustrated with the janitor, thinking that they're not being spiritual enough. Amen? You ever been there? I've been to those, those conferences, youth congresses that we hold in stadiums, and, and the preacher preaches, and the Holy Ghost moves, and, and, and altar service starts, and sometimes it's an hour hour and a half later and most folks have prayed their way through and gone to the restaurant you know there's this whole deal you got to get out of there before the restaurant gets full but there are a few people who've gotten lost in the spirit and they couldn't care whether the restaurant was full or empty and there's one or two who are seeking the holy ghost and they're just not going to quit it doesn't matter whether the restaurant's empty or not and you've been there and i've been there the janitors come in those people have been hired to clean the, the, the auditorium there after the event. And according to their contract, it's now their time to work. But we're still in their way. And they come in and they move us out of the way because they've got a job to do. And you can get the Holy Ghost in the altar or you can get the Holy Ghost in the hallway or you can get the Holy Ghost out in front of the building or you can get the Holy Ghost in the restaurant. And so they kind of move us on along. Amen. It's all about priorities. It's all about values. And we see a clash in between Mary and Martha that is a clash of values. Jesus entered the town of Bethany, went to visit the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And those three were devoted to Jesus. They were his disciples. They were his friends. And in this particular instance, Jesus has come for a meal, and Martha is busy in the kitchen, and she gets upset that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him instead of helping her prepare the meal. Clearly, these are sisters, and they've got some sibling rivalry issues. Amen? We're, we're talking about humanity here. We're all flesh and blood. So the question comes up then, is it better to sit in the presence of the Lord or to mow the churchyard? Is it better to spend an evening in prayer or to spend an evening working at the local soup kitchen? One person spends time cleaning their house and tending to the needs of their small children while another spends that same time in Bible study and prayer and, and, and devoting themselves to God. Which one then is more spiritual? Here's the point I want to make this evening, and we'll find it in the lives of Mary and Martha. The, the point is that not one, not one of the options has to be chosen to the exclusion of the other. It's not that you can 
only pray or you can only fast or you can only read your Bible and you can't ever have leisure time. You can't ever have downtime. It's not the point that it's wrong to mow the yard, but it's okay to pray or that it's wrong to pray when you should be mowing the yard. The point is that those two things have got to be in balance. Amen. There has to be a point and a space and a time where you put value on things and you determine where priorities are and, and that you choose better things at the right times. Amen? So learning the how and when of priorities is the key to balancing your life. Unlike clear-cut moral issues, that that dichotomy that exists between the, the flesh and the spirit between physical things and spiritual things overlaps in a lot of ways. It, it's imperative that people take care of their physical needs. We all need rest. I'm going to preach to the preacher for a minute. Amen? We all need to eat better. We all need to sleep more. We all need to, to, to be able to, to, to get a little rest and relaxation and let our body build back up. But unless you're retired or are incapacitated, you got to work. Amen? Can't lay in bed all day long. Can't, can't rest the day away. There's stuff that has to be done. There, there, there are mundane chores, such as uh, if you're a housewife, maybe cleaning out the refrigerator or washing the clothes. Or, or if you're a house husband, maybe it's taking out the trash or cleaning out the garage. I don't want to be sexist here. I'm trying to get everybody included. Amen? But, but at the same time that all of those menial, menial, physical, carnal things have to be done, they're a part of life. It's also important that we maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ. And how do you maintain a relationship with the Lord? You do that through prayer. You do that through Bible reading. You do that through church attendance. And you do that through developing and nourishing that relationship with Him. So the story of, of Mary and Martha, what it illustrates to us is how important it is to find the proper balance between those physical needs and your spiritual needs. That's the challenge that we all face. Amen? You do realize that God made this physical world, and after he was finished with it, he called it good. That means cooking, cleaning, working, traveling, eating, sleeping, and a whole host of other things that we do in our flesh physically come to us by divine design, and they are good. It's a good thing that your body gets tired and you rest. It's a good thing. I, I think I may have broke my toe this morning. And it hurt. Oh, it hurt. has hurt all day long. It's purple and black and blue. And ain't nothing you can do except just grin and bear it. Amen. But in the midst of all that, it's a good thing that my body hurts. Because it tells me there's something wrong. And I kind of favor it and kind of limp around and went home and changed boots, put on my dress boots, and realized real quick my dress boots are not for me tonight. Amen? Those narrow boots come right on off my feet, and I put back on these big blocky boots because it feels a little better. It's a good thing that it hurts. It's a good thing that my foot's telling me if you, if you do that, you're going to damage things. You're going to hurt things. All of those needs come to us by divine design and a responsible person 
has to learn how to take care of those physical needs. Like I said, preacher's going to preach to the preacher if that's all right. Amen. We we, we got to have some concern for our bodies. We got to have some concern for our health. We got to have some concern for uh, the needs that are pushed upon us by the physical circumstances in which we live. And, and, and not just health needs. I know I keep hitting that because that's right where I'm living right now. But, you know, you don't get so spiritual that you don't have to balance your checkbook. You don't get so spiritual that you don't have to put the clothes in the clothes hamper. Can I get an amen? Amen. Spirituality does not eclipse the physical realm. You're still going to have to get up and go. You're not going to get so spiritual that you don't have to go earn a paycheck to pay your bills. Amen. You're not going to get so spiritual that it's not a requirement of you that you do those day in and day out tasks that so often wear you down. You're not going to get so spiritual that you don't need to sleep at night. Amen. Spirituality enhances our physical existence, but it does not eclipse it. Jesus Christ was perfection in the flesh. He was physical. He came as a baby. And as a baby... He dominated his mother's waking hours and probably her sleeping hours as well. Matter of fact, the scripture tells us that as a grown man in a boat on a stormy lake, his disciples became afraid because of the storm, and they sought him out and they found him. Guess what he was doing? He wasn't praying. He wasn't rebuking the wind and the waves and the rain. He was sound asleep. You ought to take a lesson from that. Some people become so spiritually focused that they feel guilty about enjoying a meal with the family, about taking a Sunday afternoon nap, about having a little leisure and rest and relaxation. I want you to understand that Jesus feasted as well as fasted. He spent time. The Bible, the accusation is that he, he ate with the publicans and sinners. Just as he was a man of prayer, he was a man who spent time with people who, who invested himself in others. And he slept. He rested. Even though at other times he stayed up all night long in prayer. Nothing wrong with all night prayer meetings. But somewhere along the way you got to rest. Somebody said, Brother Larry, there's no such thing as make up sleep. And I defy them. I make up sleep all the time. Amen. I know exactly how to do that. I just sleep. I, I wear myself to a frazzle, and then I set. I turn the alarm off and say, tomorrow morning, I'm not getting up until I get up. Amen? I believe in that stuff. The key is not to isolate the spiritual from the physical. It's not to think that you can only live in one realm or the other. The key is to keep both of them in proper perspective. They are both necessary. They are both appropriate. We need both of them in our lives. We need to be busy for working for the kingdom of God. But we need to invest in our families. Amen? We need to be out teaching Bible studies and reaching folks, but we need to be faithful to the house of God, too. Amen? So... It's, it's an important thing because unlike animals, we are spiritual de beings. 
and we have an eternal destiny. Our, our eternal destiny is going to be determined by the spiritual condition of our lives, and that sets our priorities. We have to emphasize in our lives the importance of spiritual things in all we do. Two challenges faced by humanity are balanced choices and consistency with your choices. Amen. That's where we struggle. We have to learn to balance the values and the priorities in our lives. But we must periodically re-examine ourselves to make sure we're staying consistent with what we found to be the right choice. And while we stay vigilant, while we choose good instead of evil, we must also choose that which is better rather than that which is good. A man wrote a book. I wish I could remember it. I read it. It has to do with the bus. It's one of those leadership motivational, getting the right people on the bus. And, and his, his whole shtick is good is the enemy of best. And his point is that if you settle for good, you'll stop short of what is best. And that battle between good and best or good and better arrives in the form of now or later. That's how we encountered it. Uh, the story was told of a, a, a teacher who went around the class and set a marshmallow on each of the desks of her young school children. She told them that if they waited until the end of class to eat the marshmallow, she'd give them another marshmallow. They'd have two. But if they ate the one that was in front of them during the class, that was all they were going to get. Out of 32 marshmallows, only one remained at the end of the hour. It's about whether I get it now or whether I get it later. Both breakfast and prayer are important. Amen? The question is, when we wake up, which one do we do? Should we do put one more important than the other, or do we just make sure we get them both done? Make sure we balance our lives. Make sure that if I'm feeding my fleshly man, I'm also feeding my spiritual man. Decisions in life are often more an art than they are a science. We, we have to prayerfully examine the opportunities and challenges that we face to see what is good and then what may be better so that we can make better choices. Every decision in our life has to be weighed against the spiritual impact of that decision. Every single choice you make has to be weighed against the spiritual impact of that choice. Taking a new job may mean that you get more income, but if it diminishes your walk with God, what have you gained? Or buying a new car may make you happy, but if it hampers your ability to be faithful to God in your finances, might you be sacrificing some greater blessing for this immediate reward? It's about now or later. It's about trusting God or taking matters in my own hands. It's about balancing that which is good and that which is better. Amen? Spiritual matters must always take priority over physical matters. Amen. Those things that are not spiritual 
must always be secondary to those things that are spiritual. That does not mean that you can't enjoy things that are not spiritual. Amen. It just means you've got to have things in balance in your life. Eternal things take precedence over temporal things. It matters more the condition of my soul than the state of my bank account. It matters more whether my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life than it does what title is written beside my name on my business card. Amen? That's how you decide between that which is good and that which is better. You weigh those things that are spiritual with more, more effect and more emphasis than those things that are not. So Mary was criticized for her devotion to the Lord, but this wasn't the only time she was criticized for her devotion to the Lord. Uh, the Scripture tells us in John chapter 12, just a few days before the Passover, Jesus and his disciples visited the home again of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And while the others were eating, Mary came in and began to anoint Jesus' feet with costly ointment. Let's pick it up in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag, and he bare what was put therein. Then Jesus said, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people, the Jews, therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. So Mary's actions exhibited extravagant worship. And Judas felt as if it would have been more important to feed and clothe the poor than to lavish such extravagant praise on Jesus. But here's the thing. Judas's spirit was all wrong. He was a thief. He didn't care about the poor. The money that was contributed to the poor, he took it and put it in his pocket. He had access to the purse. And while Jesus taught us that we should care for those who are less fortunate, we should help when we can. And those who are in need, and those who are in poverty, amen, we ought to be able to step up and help them in whatever way we can. But he also told Judas, the poor always will be with you, but I'm not always going to be here. So serving others should never take the place of serving God. Serving others is good. Serving others is encouraged in the Word of God. Serving others, others is a part of the identity of the church. We love God. We love people. And we serve both. But the order is still love God first, serve God first. 
Love people second. Serve people second. And that service of people should never take precedence over my service to God. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard some version of this story. Pastor, I'm sorry, I'm going to miss church Sunday. Joe wants to go fishing. And I'm trying to win Joe to the Lord. And I just want to spend a little time with him on the water and see if I can convert him. You got your priorities out of whack. You got your values wrong. Winning souls is good. We're called to win souls. That's what we're here for. But winning souls to the exclusion of my own spirituality, costing me spiritually, that's not good. Amen? So working for God should never take the place of relationship with God. That's the story with Mary and Martha. Working is something that's required, amen, around the church. We, we've got to clean, and we've got to mow, and we've got to practice the music, and we've got to teach Sunday school, and we, we've got to decorate classrooms. We've got to set up for banquets, and we've got to uh, organize meals and messages and fish fries. Everybody say, thank God for the fish fry that's coming up. Amen. But all of those things are needful. All of those things are good. All of those things are a blessing. It's great to come together with the people of God in fellowship, but none of those things is more important than my relationship with God. Amen? So every single day, perhaps every single hour, we face decisions between the mundane and the sacred between that which is good and that which is better. And when forced to choose between the two, the question is, will we make the better choice? When faced with the opportunity to pray or to play, will we choose to pray? Or will we have already prayed? Amen. I'm telling you again, I'm not telling you you can't go fishing. I'm not telling you you can't spend time in the woods. I'm not telling you whatever your hobby is, go shopping at Dillard's, whatever it is. I'm telling you that you need to have balance in your life. If those things are all you do and you neglect your spiritual man, it's going to cost you. It will destroy you spiritually. Our relationship with the Lord needs nourishing it needs tending to and we we read the bible we pray and we and we we put ourselves in the place where we can hear him and he can hear us and we sit at his feet that's important amen it's really all about what you value because your values arrange your priorities there's nothing wrong with curling up on the couch with a good book and a hot cup of coffee except that i'm trying to cut down on the coffee bit But if that takes the place of my Bible reading or my personal prayer time, then my priorities are out of whack because my value system is skewed. However, if I've prayed and I've read my Bible, if I've taken care of that spiritual man, my leisure activity, if it's not taking me away from my walk with God, There's nothing wrong with curling up on the couch and reading a good book. Can I get an amen? 
So you have to take care to establish priorities and balance the demands of the physical and the spiritual in order to have health and happiness and productivity and profitability for the kingdom of God. We, we need to sleep. We need to eat. We need times of rest. We just can't let any of those things supplant our walk with God. So the key to balancing those two worlds is to realize that they're not mutually exclusive. Many have thought that we are natural beings with a spiritual soul. Others have said that we are spiritual beings with a natural body. Either way you look at it, we have flesh and blood that is mortal and will die and be buried one of these days. And we have a soul which is eternal and will live forever. And the natural and the spiritual coexist within us. They are both there. And it's probably rare that you have to choose between feeding the spiritual man or feeding the physical man. Most often, both elements work together. We know when we're going to pray. We have our prayer time. We have our Bible reading time. We don't stop before we eat our Cheerios in the morning thinking, now, should I do this or should I go pray first? We, we, we take care and we balance those things. But it's important that we remember the spiritual man takes precedent over the physical man. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So that, that same spirit of the Lord that rests upon us, it resides in our natural bodies. And we're to bless God in both realms, both in our bodies and in our spirits. Amen. What that tells me is what I do in the, in the physical world doesn't have to be divorced from what I do in the spiritual world. You don't have to be at an altar to pray. Amen. You can be, I can tell you from experience, you can be driving down Highway 18 at 6 o'clock in the morning, amen, and the presence of God move into your truck and have a prayer meeting that was better than what you had around an altar somewhere. Amen. We don't have to have an exclusive division between that which is spiritual and that which is physical. Everything we do in our life should be saturated by the spiritual. Amen. We can sing praises to the Lord while we do a job that we may hate. Amen. We can magnify the Lord while we endure trouble and trial that we'd rather not go through. We can face the hardships of life and, and we can face the, the, the different toils and cares that are put upon us but we can do it in the spirit of there's a reason why the scripture says pray without ceasing it's because when you say amen and get up in the morning that's not the end of your prayer amen i can pray all day long i can spend time in his presence all day long work in some way becomes a form of worship not an exemption from worship. See, the problem is we divide our lives. But I'm, if I'm not careful, I'm about to run off on a rabbit trail. So just bear with me. The problem is we, we divide our lives into that which is sacred and that which is secular. This is what our society teaches us. There's sacred space and there's secular space and never the twain shall meet. And that isn't true. Everything in my life is spiritual. 
everything in my life matters. Every decision I make, the way I spend every minute of the day. My Bible said every idle word that proceeds from my mouth is going to be held in judgment. Everything matters. So you got to make time. Make time to sit at his feet. Make time to focus on the Lord. Make time to spend time in his presence. But also understand Jesus didn't see it as a compromise to go eat a meal or go walk down the road with his disciples or even, thank God, ride a boat across the lake. He did that too. He even took them fishing. Praise the good Lord. There need not be a battle of values between that which is needful to your body and that which is needful to your spirit. Everything in your life is spiritual because the Spirit of God dwells in us and everything we do is worship to Him. Everything we do can be a time spent in the presence of our closest friend, our counselor. So we shouldn't have to choose Often we see Mary and Martha set in a dichotomy. You can either be Mary or you can be Martha. That's, that's, a, that's a wrong concept. We shouldn't have to choose between Mary and Martha. We should have them balanced in our life. We should have both. That service and work and the set. Listen, toil and labor is not easy, but it's productive. And, and it's needful but so is sitting at the feet of Jesus. My wife likes to say if nobody ever puts on the Mickey Mouse costume, there'll never be any Disney World. It's hot and it's sweaty and it stinks inside of that thing. Well, I guess it depends on whether or not you wore deodorant, but you understand what I'm saying. It's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. The, the, the work has to be done, but at the same time it's necessary that I feed my spirit. Let's look for a minute at the other side of Martha. Because Martha often gets the bad rap of being the sister who did not sit at the feet of Jesus, but that is not entirely true. Luke chapter 10, verse 39 says, And she had a sister, she being Martha, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Did you get that? Martha was the leader in devotion. Mary also followed her. Mary also sat at the feet of Jesus. Both Mary and Martha were disciples of Jesus Christ. They both have been taught by the Lord. They both loved him. They were both motivated to serve him. But on that day in question, Martha, who was the older sister, was in charge of the meal preparation. She was probably used to Mary, who was the younger sister, being her right-hand person in the kitchen. But on this day, Mary left Martha in the kitchen. She went to the room where Jesus was, and she was compelled by what he was saying just to sit and listen to the words uh, that were coming from his mouth. Uh, and when Martha realized what was happening, she complained to Jesus uh, and when Jesus heard her complaint, uh, he made it clear that Mary had made the better choice. This is the thing to understand. Jesus did not reprimand Martha for what she was doing. He didn't say there's no need to cook a meal. He reprimanded her for her attitude. 
you're upset, you're troubled, you're worried. You're, you're so concerned about what your sister is doing that it's eating you up from the inside out. As my wife likes to put it, she was comparing, competing, and complaining. That was her error. Not working in the service of the Lord. It's not that Martha and all she's doing is bad and Mary and all she was doing was good. It says she got her attitude wrong. She got her values wrong. She got her priorities out of whack. So how do we escape that, that tug to compare and compete and complain? We have to recognize that we're all different personalities. We're all different people. We all have different talents and different interests. And we have to realize that all other believers aren't just like us. There are some that are, that are called to mow the yard. And there are some that are called to clean the church. There are some that are called to do the music. And that we can't all do the same thing. And then some blessed individuals are called to do the music and mow the churchyard. Praise the Lord. Thankful for those kind of people. The work of every believer is different. But the one thing that we all have in common is we all need to sit at the feet of Jesus. So Martha got it wrong on two accounts. First, she let what she was doing for the Lord overwhelm her. That's her biggest mistake. She let what she was doing for God overwhelm her. Listen, even Jesus... Who done the greatest work for God? I mean, for the kingdom of God that's ever been done. He who, who carried the weight of our sins to the old rugged cross. Even Jesus did not let the work of the kingdom crush him. If things got too intense, Jesus would leave town. He'd go out on the lake with his disciples. He'd crawl up on the mountain and spend the night in prayer. Pastors and church workers and youth leaders and Sunday school teachers and, yes, even music ministers may burn themselves out if they don't take the time to relax and rest. Even God rested on the seventh day. And he invites us to rest in him. Martha's other mistake was taking Mary to account for not being where Martha thought Mary should be. See, we all have different purposes in the kingdom of God and what someone else does in the kingdom and how they are rewarded for what they do in the kingdom is in between them and God. And sometimes we get so concerned with what somebody else is getting away with, what somebody else is doing, we get so concerned with somebody else's business and whether or not they're conforming to what we think they should be that our attitude gets wrong, that it costs us spiritually. Listen, not your business what they're doing. Your only business is to pray for them. Amen? Weep with them when they weep. Rejoice with them when they rejoice. And love them with the same love that you received from Jesus Christ. Jesus made us all different. You don't understand that division is not of Christ, but distinction is. 
we're all distinct. We're all different. We all have different talents and different abilities. Romans chapter 12 says in verse 5, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that hath teaching on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. We're all different. We're all called to do different things. We all feel a different role in the kingdom of God. And we need each other because of our differences. We need each other's giftings. We need each other's strengths. And we need them to balance our weaknesses. And, and we work together. And together we are a building fitly framed together by the very hand of God to accomplish His purpose in this world. That's why the next verse says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Love has to be the foundation of the church. It has to be the foundation of everything we do. It's what binds us together. It's what helps us to overcome the carnal desire to compare, compete, and complain. Their business is in between them and God. My business is in between me and God. And I've got to do what I'm called to do and keep my spirit right. Amen? Paul put the physical and the spiritual into balance when he talked about the great sacrifices and personal risks that he suffered in serving the Lord. And I'm closing. People beat him. They tried to take his life. He suffered in bad weather. He suffered in times of scarcity. He suffered all kinds of calamity, all in his effort to try to get the gospel to the nations. But he saw it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Yes, I have an outward man. Yes, he, he gets weary. Yes, he gets weak. But my spirit is renewed in the presence of the Lord. And that matters. Balancing the physical and the spiritual. It's not as difficult as some would make it seem to be. Amen. I, I've got to have some good common sense. I've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then I've got to be diligent to choose those things that are good and those things that are better in my life. Not to waste my life in the pursuit of things that were going to take me away from the presence of God. We have to establish our priorities and live by them. For example, prayer and Bible study are good. But physical exercise and proper nutrition are good too. We need both of them. But which do we need more? Well, it's First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. And this is the last scripture I'm going to read. Brings a little clarity to the subject. It says in verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So exercise is great. Everybody say, Pastor needs more of it. Amen. 
However, your exercise routine should never eclipse your prayer time. Amen? That's the principle at work here in the story of Mary and Martha. Would you stand with me? No matter what we do for the Lord, no matter how busy we are in His kingdom, no matter how much work we do, we have to sit often at His feet. And we sit at His feet by worshiping Him. We sit at His feet by spending time in His Word. We sit at His feet by praying to Him. We sit at His feet by learning from Him, by, by allowing Him to speak into our heart and into our spirit. We need that above all else. Amen? So in, in both of us, there's a little Mary and there's a little Martha. And both are needful. And both matter. And both are critical. And both are important. But my relationship with God takes precedent over everything else in my life. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I love you.